0: Hey, welcome to Conversations with my dear friend Jeff Conway. My name is Susan. This is A Different Kind of Walk. As you might know if you found this podcast, my friend and co-host and retired longtime pastor Dr. Jeff Conway is suffering from a neuromuscular disorder that is slowly taking away control of his muscles, including the ones in his jaw, mouth, and tongue. Jeff is writing a book about his experience, and despite the disorder, he continues to live a full life, even planning a wheelchair-bound hike in Spain with some friends this coming September. In today's episode, Jeff and I discuss pain, joy, our Enneagram numbers, and more. Enjoy. Okay, so if I pretend that I just got on here, and we didn't just spend like a half an hour trying to figure out the computer. Yeah. <laughs> um, hi, how are you?
1: <laughs> we didn't really say that, did we? I know. <laughs> um... I would usually say I am fine, but I would be lying if I said that to you. Yeah. I don't know if it's just a bad season for a few weeks or if things are changing. Um, I'm mildly not upset with you, but surprised. Um, You're very observant usually, and you haven't said anything to
0: me uh-huh about your haircut your glasses <laughs> they're pretty cool they're definitely like very retro good like aviators with the metal right across and they're kind of tinted aren't they
1: and what color
0: is that pink
1: what's another color for pink
0: uh blush
1: no Red. no you don't know the saying, seeing the world through rose-colored oh, glasses. Rose. Gotcha. <laughs> so when I was installed head of staff in Texas, the person who did the charge to the congregation knows me very well. And she pulled out these rose-colored glasses and said, this is Jeff. And this is a gift to you. And this is a challenge to you also so you know she just kind of used i like to, i like people to be happy i like to be happy i like to i'm not afraid of challenge but i like you know and i trust everybody it takes a long time for people to lose my trust so that was part of her so when i bought these frames i said how are you going to mark my eyes? There's no lens in it. She goes, Oh, we take the lenses out. Cause nobody will try them on. I'm like, why? She goes, Oh, they've got these rose tinted lenses. In them. And I said, Oh, that, okay. So she put them in and I said, no, I'll take the clear. And then right as she was finishing, it, I went, you know what? I'll take the rose. Nice. <laughs> so I'm young Elton John, but I don't know if you, I don't know how I'm looking right now. Cause I don't, see myself I can't really see myself in the window but um so my right eye droops now so I can't hold it completely open anymore um uh pain level is eight to nine almost all day long and
0: and Jeff is also caring for his mother who is elderly and has fairly severe dementia so she is living with Jeff and his wife Patty
1: Yeah. So I, even though I'm living that kind of life and I sound pretty whiny right now, I am crazy happy and content and thirsty for God and at peace. Hmm. Um, I just had a psychiatrist and a psychologist appointment last week for the pain. Mm-hmm. the pain doctor said i want you to call these guys and see if they can give you some techniques to help and i thought okay but you know i've gone through enough pain in my life i've learned how to breathe through things and do different things but I said sure so they did all this like you and i are doing right now was facetime whatever zoom but they were both on it and they keep probing and probing and they go, well, you're handling everything in a healthy way and your body's just in pain and it's really nothing you can do about it. But, um, you know, good luck with that.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. And, you know, but it was good that, I mean, cause I could tell I brought up my faith and I could tell the person was not open to talking about faith. Um, but I brought that up and I brought, you know, like I brought up the Camino and a few other things when he was just asking about the last five years or so, or something like this. And, Mm -hmm. but, but they both said, yeah, you're, you sound very healthy and normal and um, not ignoring what's going on. And so, yeah, I mean, I just kind of feels like another affirmation that I'm not, completely crazy other than wearing pink glasses.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did want to ask you about um, kind of that juxtaposition between pain and joy, I think. I feel like for a lot of people, pain is either a mental thing, it's it's doubts, it's fears, it's things I can't control, or, or it's this big other thing that is so far disconnected from you it's things in other countries it's wars it's famine it's whatever yeah so when when pain is real and physical how do you not lose your hope your joy your i mean do you get angry those sorts of things
1: you know you probably didn't see me get angry very often i got angry a few times i don't know if that was ever in front of you. I certainly didn't yell at anybody, but um, that's just not part of my nature. It never really has been. So I finally gave in to Becca, which.
0: That's Becca Bruner, who was Jeff's associate pastor and now one of the co lead pastors at the church where Jeff and I used to work.
1: I finally gave in to Becca, which makes me mad. <laughs> I am a seven more than a four
0: on the Enneagram
1: (laughs) yes which she said you're not a four you're a seven I'm like no sir (laughs) well when I was you know pulling out of the office for some reason I had this file and I opened it up and it was the all the psych testing I did before my doctoral program that they made you go through Mm -hmm. three days of career counseling that included all these tests and stuff and so I had no idea I had taken an Enneagram back then oh wow so and I actually did a full-blown test you know researched by a psychologist so my highest score is a seven Mm -hmm. joy (laughs) but my second highest score is a four
0: is a four nice so, yeah, so sevens, I am married to a seven. Sevens hate pain, they avoid pain. So, so yeah, how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, you know, Melanie and I, as we talk through things, you'll hear her name. So she's the one that serves communion. Yes.
0: <laughs> Listeners, remember Jeff's disorder is starting to affect his speech
1: with me on that last Sunday. So we started together. 30 whatever years ago at Wallingford as associates together there she started before I did but um Melanie's thing with me is I am so seven on the one side and on the challenge side that faces sevens
0: mm-hmm.
1: I've come far enough along in my journey and the mystery Mm -hmm. um, that I really don't live on that negative side of seven really at at all. I think holding the hands of enough people dying, literally taking their last breath, some of them, uh, literally weird, strange, mystery, mystical, walking into rooms and having people die um because i felt like oh i need to go to the hospital and check on this person and i listened to my gut and i did that and i even did that in oregon i woke up um uh, the girl that took me to church the first time her dad was really kind of a second dad to me because my dad was so distant and all this kind of stuff. And I was at their house a lot and he was absolutely the sweetest man God ever created. And he turned to angry, biting, nasty man at the end with Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. But at the very end, you know, he was just so frail you could speak to him so i saw him the night before and for some reason i said i'm gonna go see john one more time uh and i walked into his house and he died three minutes later and so did you get to read the whole manuscript and it's okay if you didn't but okay so you haven't read in there that i saw heaven probably.
0: I don't know. I might've heard Um, the story before, but go ahead and tell it now. Yeah. And
1: I might have, but um, so, you know, I was a 20 year old boy reading the Bible every night. Um, That's, I mean, God always loved me. I recognized that I was loved by God for the first time. Two months before I left for college. So uh, I, I knew absolutely nothing really. So my fraternity roommate said, what are you doing? As I was trying to work my way, Genesis, through the whole Bible and figure it out. Anyway, he just kind of harassed me. He was a PK. So he harassed me and said, don't start. Read the Gospel of John or something. And he barely remembers it, but it's vivid to me. So I started reading the Gospels and I started having these incredible dreams. And... Um, One of them was, first it was just the lake and the grass and the sky. And I think it's C.S. Lewis when he writes about this vision of heaven. So I know he's seen the same thing. That the blades of grass look as sharp as shards of glass. Did I get that out well? Mm
0: -hmm. You got it.
1: But when you touched it, it was softer than anything you'd ever touched. Mm. It was just so clear. And that was my dream was, you know, I, I think I write in the book, I wish I was a poet because it's stupid to say the green was greener than green the blue is bluer than blue and the crystal water was clearer than it, but that's my reality. And then there was uh, a figure in a robe, which is really stupid because (laughs) it sounds so cliche, uh, but it was a white robe. And um, then all of a sudden, because it's a dream and dreams are cool. <laughs> uh the only thing that was there was a hand. Hmm. And the hand started talking to me. The hand was just out
0: and obviously there was a voice attached to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it said follow follow me.
0: Hmm.
1: And I mean that was it. So I could describe it to you that way as clearly as I could describe it the morning I woke up woke up from it 40 some years ago. So, I also write in the book, the challenge of being a pastor for me was because of that dream, and later on in the seminary years, and maybe a little bit past that when I started reading more of the mystics and church fathers and mothers, that I read images that were almost identical to what I saw. So I knew that it wasn't just a dream, but I actually had seen heaven. Mm. And because of that, even doing stupid things, even getting mad at Patty, even you know, getting mad at the boys, or whatever happened throughout my whole life journey, uh, you know, even the challenges to me, the financial challenges of making forty thousand dollars a year with a family of four in Florida, you know, those kind. I just, I, I couldn't doubt that God was present ever and I still can't. And I think that has something to do with the joy and the pain uh, because there's not doubt because God has made God's self so clear to me mm. that how can I whine and complain about pain When I've seen the refugees in Lebanon from Syria, Mm -hmm. when I've seen the most horrific things in Mathari, the slum in Kenya, and in Afghanistan, and the bombings, and the, I mean, all these things that I've experienced that go so much more painful than any kind of body pain that I could go through.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of, um, you mentioned C.S. Lewis, um, and I came across this quote, and I was curious what you would think of it. This is in his book, The Problem of Pain, and he writes, We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that I mean, yes. Yeah. And I purposely put myself in places of pain, even being the seven Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. And, you know, all the smart-alecky things I did in staff meeting or whatever. As a joker, hoping to be a joker. But, yeah, I mean, throughout my life, even before I knew God loved me, that was part of what God was doing with me. When Richard was dying and that's the very beginning. That's the opening of my book. That's the guy that had the three kids and he fell in church and the melanoma had moved to his spine and he couldn't move anything other than his neck. And I'm in the hospital with him and and he just looks at me and he says, now what? And I just said, live well. And it was just natural that, you know, To a lot of people, that would be a really stupid, cruel thing to say to somebody. Mm. But because we were in relationship with each other spiritually, that he got it.
0: Yeah, he knew what you meant.
1: He knew exactly what I meant. That, you know, he was on the razor's edge and he could have died when I was in his room or a week later or, you know. I think he lived three months okay. uh, like that. So um, yeah, I'm not afraid of pain mm-hmm. and I'm not afraid of the pain of the world and I'm drawn to it, if that makes some sense.
0: Do you feel the sense of like wanting to, wanting to heal it? When you, like, when you say that you're drawn to the hurt of the pain of the world, do you, does it accompany, like, a compassion, like, you want to do something about it? Or what draws you?
1: Yeah, joy. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring joy to it. So bringing joy to Richard was not all silly, ha fun, goofy, whatever. Joy is something much deeper than being happy or smiling or giddy. And I even write about at his funeral, he picked my last hymn that I picked because of him, in honor of him. And just to annoy Becca just a little bit. (laughs) um, Because it drives her crazy. The Lord of the Dance. Uh Uh-huh. They whipped and they stripped and they hung him. High and he died on the cross and la, 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 la. So, you know, it starts with the birth, it goes through the death, and then it goes to the resurrection. I mean, it's this, but it's to this dance, dance, whatever. I
0: don't you know,
1: whatever. <laughs> um, And so there I was sobbing, singing that song at his funeral that I just led, smiling the whole time. So they're both, they're together. And if you try to separate them, uh, you're fooling yourself and you're compartmentalizing too much. Pain and joy go just as appropriately together as vanilla ice cream covered with homemade rich hot fudge.
0: Thanks for joining us for a different kind of walk. Come back next time when we'll delve into that vanilla ice cream and hot fudge and other culinary treats, as well as parenting and family. Until then, as Jeff said, live well.